this function at the conjunction by S. Artesian. Impasse at the intersection of Value Boulevard and Accumulation Avenue. The accumulation of capital is first, last, and always the accumulation of the means of production as capital. That is to say, as values seeking more values, as values expanding values, as value extracting more value from labor power constituted itself as value, and for the means of production to exist as values, their utility as the means of labor has to be expressed and suppressed, mediated as and by private property. And then the means of production confronts laborers and labor power, not as things, objects, but as a condition of their own labor, as a condition of their own existence, subsistence, reproduction. And then the laboring time becomes the means of exchange, becomes the material substance, the frozen breath identified as value. Then all products, all product, exists as value. All production exists only to realize surplus value. The transformation of labor and the power to labor, if not complete, is at least thorough in that its social expression now recapitulates its own loss. That loss is the loss of the usefulness of labor as a common power of human beings, rather than as the power belonging to the commodity. Capital subordinates all social reproduction to the demands of value accumulation. There is a peculiar dynamic, an anti-serendipitous non-reciprocity within capital's configuration of labor power as a commodity. To extract value, capital requires the deconstruction of labor time into components of necessary labor time and surplus labor time. To maximize the surplus labor time, capital must drive the necessary labor, labor time toward the minimum, the minimum being zero. In order to drive the necessary labor time toward zero, capital has to expel labor power from the process of production. To expel the labor power from the process of production, the surplus labor time has to be recapitalized disproportionately as means of production. The very foundation of value production is undermined in the process of its maximization. The accumulation of value in, of, as the means of production as a private property drives profit down as it drives labor power out. Perturbations in the traffic flow the ultimate expression of this relation would be that moment when necessary labor approaches and then finally reaches zero. At the approach to that moment, this event horizon at the limits of capital, it appears that surplus value expands towards infinity. Except necessary labor approaches that limit when there is no longer any need for the laborers to work to exchange their labor time for a value equivalent to the means of their own subsistence. Without necessary labor, the creation and expropriation of surplus labor collapses inward. The anti-red giant is at one and the same time the white dwarf. Accumulation leads to the devaluation of capital assets. Property can be preserved, but no longer simply through the capitalization of surplus value. Rather, it's preserved through marginalization, through successive reductions of the potential for socially productive labor. 
It's preserved behind a gate topped with barbed wire, a water cannon, a tear gas grenade, a privatized prison, behind a prescription pad for hydrocodone. Marginalization is the measure of capitalist progress. Labor power is marginalized. The increments of new or additional value extracted decline in relation to the already existing value. The pre-existing once surplus now capitalized value simply being passed through, transferred through the production process. Capitalist valorization runs headlong into the wall built of mirrors. Bumper to bumper. This conflict is eminent to the composition of capital. We can track, measure, chart this conflict in the relation of labor power to fixed assets. We can measure the relative decline of production worker hours over time. We can track the accumulation of the value embodied in the fixed assets of production. We can track the decline in the relation of living labor to the expansion of those fixed assets and the decline in the rate of profit. We can and we do and we will and that's important. However, like the means of production themselves, those ratios are but a passive portrait of the reproduction of capital. They're just numbers, right? They're just objects, relations that appear as things, free of the messy fluids of human existence, the blood and fat and acid and oil that are consumed in the production of and the struggle to overcome the production of value. Political economy might deserve the sobriquet of a miserable science if it were science. It isn't. It's ideology, like religion, a skeleton not built from bones, but recomposed from the dust of bones, shattered and fragmented by the machinery of accumulation. The loss of blood, of flesh, is sanitized, made presentable by and as numbers. Presentation for capitalism really is everything. We'll start with the numbers. We'll get to the blood. There's no way to avoid it. Numbers. See fred.stlouisfed.org, Index of Aggregate Weekly Hours of Production and Non-Supervisory Employees Manufacturing. So, production hours. Post-World War II, production worker hours for U.S. manufacturing achieved their greatest mass in 1978, marking also the high point of the recovery from the 1974-75 to 75 recession. Prior to then, 1978 mark, a post-war penultimate peak had been reached in 74, marking the recovery from the 71 recession. And prior to that, the pre-penultimate peak was reached in 1968-69, to 69, just prior to the 70 recession. Each of these three cycles marked a recovery distinguished by increases in the mass of production hours. Since 79, no recovery has displayed an increase of production hours greater than, equal to, or even close to the levels achieved in 78, 74, or 69. In fact, recoveries have been distinguished by progressive, nice oxymoron, huh? reduction in production hours, such that in 2015, production hours were below those measured at the trough of all prior post-World War II recessions except that of 2009. The index of industrial output, of course, has not so declined, and even in sectors where output has declined from the post-war peak, the reduced output has not been proportionate to the decline in production hours. As opposed to price, the value, and in particular the component of new value, the component that alone generates surplus value, has declined and declined disproportionately.
cbea.gov fixed assets table 3.1 es1 manufacturing the greater proportion of value that has been that in fact drives the accumulation of capital has been embedded in the fixed assets of production regardless of how slowly this portion increases it increases as it expels living labor cbea.gov gdp and personal income table 6.16 b for corporate profits by industry like baseball capital has numbers and stats for everything but don't blame baseball it's the product of its social environment not the producer it's a great game no matter how the bourgeoisie have worked to destroy distort capitalize it the relation between the expulsion of labor power and the expansion of fixed assets manifests itself in the ratio of profit to the fixed assets. This, after all, measures the successful transformation not only of surplus value into capital, but the successful transformation of capital into surplus value by labor power. Where there are numbers, there are graphs, and here it is. The graph of annual profits in manufacturing as a proportion of the fixed assets in three-year increments, 1961 to 2015. This is not a pretty picture to the bourgeoisie, even if, for most of them, most of the time, they can't see it. They, the bourgeoisie, don't have to see it. They feel it, where they feel everything all the time, in the wallet. That's not a big gun in their emptying pockets you can't feel, and they're not happy. The specter haunting the bourgeoisie may not yet be communism, but the shadow pursuing them is always of their own making. Stuck in my car? Marx's critique of capital derives its accuracy and its persistence in that it is based in the real condition of labor. Marx expresses that real condition as and in abstractions, as he must. Wage labor, free labor, the commodity, labor power, necessary labor time, surplus labor time. The abstractions represent, measure, and explain the transformation of product into value. There is no other way to express the common, universal, social conditions that determines the tendencies and the actual moments in the various and specific expressions of capital. Capital, the Grundriss, the other economic manuscripts, 1857 to 1864, are not in and of themselves historical materialism, but they are the decoding of the information first recognized, then distilled and extracted by historical materialism. Not for nothing, class struggle, the revolutions of 1848 and 1849, precede Marx's critique of political economy. The reconciliation of this abstract material with the concrete manifestations of capital's laws, the comprehension of the different adaptations made by bodies carrying this coded material, and expressing those laws gets us to the moment that Marx described as the conflict between the means of production and the relations of production, the conflict between the augmented productive capabilities of labor and the property that constrains those capabilities. The conflict between the valorization process and the production process. The conflict between labor and reproduction. The antagonism between accumulation and social reproduction is inherent in capitalism. It's chronic, but it doesn't just come and go. It's manufactured, and it assumes its acute and persistent formation in those areas and countries where capital intrudes upon but is not strong enough to overturn the pre-existing relations of property, land, and landed labor where capital finds itself constrained by its own allegiance to private property in the so-called less developed countries.
Here, capital encounters the limits to reproduction and its necessary accommodation to the already existing relations of private property that constrain access to labor. All that we know about less developed capitalist countries, the impaired development of infrastructure, the persistent small-scale subsistence or subsistence plus surplus, agriculture coincident and simultaneous with large-scale landed production, with plantations, haciendas, the manors, the great houses, the restrictions on education, healthcare, transportation, the export of workers to developed capitalism, all are derived once from capital's need to preserve the unity of private property, repeatedly from capital's indifference to accessing a mass of free labor, and ultimately from the logic, the code of accumulation itself, expulsion of labor power from production. We get the enclave, the maquilladora. We get the great migrations to urban areas, overwhelming the ability of the economy to provide large-scale social employment. We get the great migrations to the metropolitan centers of advanced capitalism, which our centers are but themselves enclaves. We also get the ideology of economic recovery, which is not only indistinguishable from, but is the presentation of contracting reproduction, continued marginalization. We get a world of gated communities. Accumulation with impaired social reproduction, not without cyclical movement, not without periods of expansion, is the default condition resulting from advanced capital's penetrations beyond Europe, beyond the north of North America. Accumulation with impaired social reproduction, not without cycles, not without recoveries, and recoveries, not without continued marginalization, not without continued increases in poverty, is the persistent product of this latest, highest stage of capitalism in Europe, North America, and Asia. Death Race 2050 the reproduction of social value is a concept unthinkable, nonsensical to the bourgeoisie, tethered as they are to private property, tethered as commodity production is to the means of production as private property. No less a personage than the Margaret Hilda Thatcher, L-G-O-M-P-C-F-R-S-F-R-I-C-R-I-P, gave voice to the organizing principle of political economy and categorically there is no such thing as society, which does make you wonder where all the money came from to pay for her state funeral, but only for a second. Value is always and only realized socially when it confirms its claim as value in exchange with other commodities. Exchange realizes value only when the whole universe of commodities can command the commodity of labor power. Value has no life beyond the reappropriation of labor power. The accumulation of capital would be Dorian Gray's picture if Dorian Gray had been born the butt-ugliest bastard of all time. At a certain moment in its development and its reproduction, capital required a bit of literacy, a bit of public education, a bit of public health, a bit of sanitary drinking water. Not because capital needed workers to consume, but rather so that labor power could be appropriated and reappropriated, so that the labor power was accessible, movable, available for exploitation. The expulsion of labor power from production makes that moment obsolete for capitalism. At the same time as profitability becomes more difficult to generate and impossible to sustain, the public wealth sectors become targets for liquidation and platforms for privatization. This process is somewhat different than the devaluation of capital or the stripping of assets involved in production. 
This process is structured as the vehicle for the transfer of wealth through essentially the converting the public wealth into special investment vehicles through the use of vouchers, coupons, private accounts. Education, medical insurance, social security will devolve into coupons, tradable circulating with the goal being the exchange itself, which can only be supported through the greater segregation of services, with greater proportions of the population receiving reduced services in type and quality, and the wealthiest sectors claiming exclusive use of the means to maintain life. This is the arbitrage inherent in capitalism's origin, which only becomes manifest in its dotage, in its dementia, in its weaponized expression. This is the big clawback, reappropriating value by transferring and any wealth accumulated by workers, by liquidating the value embodied in social reproduction. We get the chartered school. The state underfunds public education, takes its vengeance on teachers through layoffs, and then awards vouchers for students to attend charter schools. The charter school, like the private school, the religious school, is wielded as a weapon against the social reproduction of labor power. It excludes, expels, prevents access to social wealth. Some might recall that the origin of the charter school is in the reaction against Brown v. Board of Education. That same spirit, desire, need of the bourgeoisie to prevent access to enforce the restrictions essential to private property drives the weapons of chartered schools. Free quality public education is not a right and it is not a privilege. It is an obligation that the working class must assume on behalf of all. We begin, and only begin, discharging that obligation through the workers' program that opposes all charter schools, all tax breaks for religious or private schools or schooling, all subsidies to private education. This era is the era of value accumulation in conjunction with restricted, attacked social reproduction. Our project is the expansion of social reproduction to the highest degree when in fact even maintaining the most modest level of that social reproduction, that social wealth, requires the complete abolition of value production and the complete elimination of capitalism.